are continuing on in what we are calling our 50 Days of Transformation series. I, Pastor Teresa Arndt, I'm the women's pastor here. I get to talk to you about transforming our emotional health. I have to wonder why Pastor Kurt saw fit to sign the only female on the teaching team this topic, but whatever, because I will have to say that Matt, Kurt, and Seth cry way more than I do. <laughs> True story. Okay, but I will admit that there are times in my life that my emotions have gotten the best of me. In fact, just recently, I may have had a mini emotional meltdown in the grocery store. Okay, so it was nine o'clock at night and I walk into the aisle to the shelf where the popcorn that I wanted was supposed to be. It was empty, except I look up to the very top shelf. One that says, ask for assistance for items on this shelf, there's one bag shoved back into the very back of that shelf. And it's taunting me going, neener, 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 you can't reach me. And I was having a bit of an emotional response. Okay, so let's be honest. I'd had a really long week. I'd had several emotionally difficult encounters that day. My husband was out of town and I was hungry and I was tired. And all I wanted was for a bag of popcorn to make me feel better. I couldn't climb because it was way too high as I've been known to do. I've also been known to grab a broom from several aisles down and knock the items off the shelf and get to them. I couldn't do that either. So I'm just standing there as this bag of popcorn is taunting me. And so I do what any mature woman my age would do. I cried. <laughs> I cried because I was too short to reach the item. I cried because I was crying and I was too embarrassed to ask for help. And I cried because I had had a really long day and all I really wanted was that popcorn to make me feel better. So I left the store and I went to another store. <laughs> because I was adamant to be, be fed by what I needed at that moment. Okay, says anyone else, will you admit that you have slightly overreacted to something seemingly insignificant in your life? Anybody else? Okay, good, I'm not the only one, all right. Why do we do that? Because like it or not, we are all emotional beings. Now, some of you may sit there and go, I'm not emotional, so this isn't for me. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> Everyone experiences emotions. But here's the thing, the level at which you express them does not determine the level at which you actually experience them. See, we all express emotions differently, but we are all designed with a heart to feel. God himself is an emotional being. In fact, Exodus says that he feels compassion and love. Jeremiah says he feels anger. Deuteronomy says he feels delight and joy. And John even talks about his expression of tears because of his feeling of sorrow. Now, because we were created in his image and the, the breath of life that he breathed into us came with that same ability to feel the love that he feels, the joy that he feels, and yes, even the anger and the sorrow that he feels. But sometimes, because we're in our human form, our emotions can get the best of us. I've heard it said that feelings are kind of like waves you cannot keep them from coming, but you can choose which ones you're going to surf. 
Okay, so today what I hope to help you understand is how to ride your emotions into a closer relationship with God rather than letting those waves of emotions carry you away from him. So here's the big idea for today. Positive emotional health comes from emotionally connecting with the God who designed us. Okay, but how do we do that in practical terms? How do we experience an emotional connection with God and not let the emotions get the best of us? We do that by learning to deal with how we feel in a godly and in a biblical way. So we have to learn to manage and experience our emotions as God intended them to be. Okay, so that leads me to the first point on our outline. I'm gonna make three major points today. The first one, in order to do this, is we have to attach our emotions appropriately. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. The number one word for emotion in the Bible is the word heart. So when we read heart, what that's usually referring to is what we feel, our desires, our emotions. Jesus says in Mark 12, Verses 29 through 30, the most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. We're going to focus on the heart today. And when Jesus tells us that we need to love God with all of our heart, he's inviting us to have an emotional relationship with him, to feel the love that he feels, the joy that he feels, and in return, He feels it from us. Or as I like to say, God wants us to become emotionally attached to him. See, God created us all with this longing for emotional connection. But instead of attaching our hearts to him and him alone, we emotionally attach ourselves to other people or to things in our lives, or to our jobs, or to our dreams, or our desires, or whatever feels good at the moment. Those things are not necessarily wrong, but what God is wanting is he wants our emotional attachment to him to be stronger than it is to anyone or anything else in our life. And see, he doesn't just ask this. Scripture says he commands us to love him with all of our heart. It says the most important commandment is this. Why would God command that? Bottom line is because he knows that our emotional connection to him is more stable and unchanging than anything else in this world or any other person that we could attach to. So if we want all of our hearts to be attached to God and experience that emotional health, then we need to let our emotions be our gauges, not our guides. Okay, so nowhere in the Bible does God say, follow your heart. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cliche-ish saying now in our culture, just follow your heart. If my husband followed his heart every time he went to the grocery store, he would come home with a whole lot more than what was on that list. And it's certainly nothing that we would need. There are times when following our heart can get us into trouble. And here's what Jeremiah 17, 9 actually says. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
Instead of automatically following our heart, we need to let what we feel be a gauge to determine if our hearts are actually being fully attached to God or something else. See, our emotional responses to the circumstances in our life are great indicators of what our heart is actually attached to at the moment. Luke 6.45 says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Okay, so when life happens, when stuff and circumstances in our life happen, it stirs up our emotions, right? And we have a whole lot to say about that at that moment in time. What we think and say and feel about those circumstances will tell us what our heart is actually attached to at that moment. For example, what we say or feel about change, that can reveal a whole lot about where your heart is finding and attaching security. See, what we feel and say and think about disappointment can reveal where our heart is actually finding hope instead of God. What we say or feel about failure can actually reveal where our heart is finding value and, and identity apart from God. See, God doesn't wanna share anything or anyone else with your heart. He wants all of it so that we can experience the deepest and the healthiest emotional connection with him because he knows that everything else that we attach our emotions to are gonna fail us at some point. Only he will not fail us. But unfortunately, no matter how long I've been doing this life with Christ, this emotional attachment is constantly being threatened. I am constantly being pulled away because of my heart. We have to be diligent to do the next step on your outline, point number two. We have to avoid the pitfalls of our emotions. Let me explain what I mean. See, remember the heart, our emotions are deceitful and they're sick. Why? Because our feelings are part of our sinful nature. What that means is they are part of the part of us that leads us away from God, our creator and away from Christ. By human nature, our heart wants what it cannot have, doesn't it? Eve had access to every single fruit in the garden, every other tree, every tropical and luscious fruit you can imagine except for one. And what did she want? The one that she couldn't have. So what did she do? She followed what her heart felt and she longed and went after the one thing she couldn't have. Why? And that leads me to the very first pitfall of this point in your outline, that feelings lack self-control. They do not have a mind of their own. They do not have the ability, self-control. It is painfully hard not to act on our intense emotions. But if what they are leading us to do leads us away from God, then we have to exercise self-control. Eve lacked self-control. She let her heart be her guide. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. It's unprotected. Without self-control, our heart becomes unprotected and we displace our emotional attachment from God to whatever feels good at the moment, whatever gives us relief or rescues us at the moment. See, I had a gal on one of my teams several years ago and she loved God 
so much and she gave tons of her time and her energy to serving him and on the team and in the church. She was in her mid forties and she was divorced and she started dating this guy. And as she's dating him, I could see her attachment to God start to fade. She spent less and less time with God and doing what God had called her to do and more and more time with this guy until eventually she followed her heart so much that she moved into him with no desire or even plans for a marriage in the future. Now, as her ministry leader, I felt the need that I needed to confront her and talk to her about what was going on in her heart. So I did, and here was her response to me, and I quote, I don't feel like God will judge me because he knows how much love I feel for this man. And it kind of broke my heart and I sat there across from the table and I just looked at her with all the love that I could muster and I said, but your love for this man does not change God's commands for your life. But she let her feelings for this guy take over. And as a result, she had no self-control and she lost her emotional attachment to God and reattached to this guy. And let me tell you, it didn't work out well for her in the future. And that leads me to the second pitfall that our emotions cause is feelings can be unreliable. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There are so many times that we feel right and justified in what we're feeling. There are people in the Bible that were constantly in trouble because they were acting on what seemed right at the moment. Moses murdered an Egyptian because of the injustice and the anger he felt over the treatment of his people, the Israelites. Peter felt such a need to defend Jesus with the soldiers that he cut off the soldier's ear. Both of those actions seemed like the right thing to do to protect their people, but the actions that their emotions led them to do were actually wrong. See, our feelings will say something feels so right that it can't be wrong, and I know they made that into a song because it's true. It feels so right that it can't be wrong, but it is. And because our feelings lack this self-control, because they're unreliable, that leads me to the third and probably one of the biggest pitfalls that I wanna land on today. Our feelings can be manipulated. See, if our feelings lack self-control, then that means somebody else can get control through our feelings. We can be manipulated by others. You take a cute little puppy, a a Clydesdale horse, the right setting and the right song, and I am crying during a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> Anybody else, please raise your hand if you admit to having cried over a commercial or a Facebook video. Okay, then you have been manipulated by some of the best, right? But here's where it gets really serious. See, if our emotions can be manipulated by others, then you can darn well bet that they can be manipulated by the enemy and not in a good and a positive way. See, Satan knows all about emotions. See, it was his emotional attachment to pride and power and jealousy that led to his fall. 
And 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The Greek word that's used here for devour means to drink down and can also be translated to drown. Have you ever felt like you were drowning in your emotions? In the sorrow of your circumstances? In the depression and despair and hopelessness? Have you ever felt so flooded with anxiety or fear or anger that it consumed you that you could literally hardly breathe? The enemy seeks to devour us by making us feel like we are drowning in our emotions. Let's say that a natural emotion would be like a flowing water. And what we normally would feel would be like ripples in the water. But Satan takes what is a God-given emotion and he turns it into a flood or a crashing wave. By what I mean is he manipulates our sorrow, something that was God-given that we experienced because of loss or disappointment. And he floods us with depression and despair instead. He takes our genuine concern and he turns it into anxiety and fear. He can even take something as beautiful as love and twist it and turn it into lust. See, he wants to impose what he feels onto each and every one of us so that it overwhelms us and that we detach from God and we are constantly searching for something to rescue us. I was a waitress in Texas many years ago. And this guy comes in, and I'm telling you, he was angry from the moment he stopped. He walked into the, and sat down at my table. He was mad about everything and complained about everything. There, was, there were too many people. It was hot outside. Well, it's Texas. It's going to be hot. And then he complained about the food and the specials, and they weren't good enough, and on and on and on. I made it my mission. I'm going to make this guy smile. I was determined that I was going to make this guy happy about something. But the more I served him, the more I realized that this guy was miserable and angry and what he wanted was to make everyone else around him miserable and angry too. Have you ever been a part of a conversation where you're just listening to somebody else amped up on their emotion, whether it's anxiety or anger or fear, and all of a sudden you walk away and you're feeling exactly what they're feeling and it had nothing to do with you? I have. And that is exactly what the enemy wants to do with every one of us. He wants to be flood, flood us with these emotions that we don't know what to do with because we were never designed to carry them. He wants to drown us in feelings of shame and disappointment and anger and sadness and sorrow beyond what we were created to feel and experience. And we become exhausted and burdened by trying to breathe underwater of all these emotions. And just when we start to come up, then all of a sudden a crashing wave of another emotion hits us. And if those feelings of themselves don't crash and make us crash and burn and feel heavy burdened and exhausted, then our constant attempts to man manufacture relief will. Because then we'll become exhausted by our attempt to eat away our sorrows or drink away our, or work away our sorrows, or whatever our go-to has become for relief. Those will exhaust us. And that is because the enemy manipulates us 
to go deeper than where we really need to be. This week's memory verse in your 50 Days of Transformation journal that we're going through is Matthew 11:28. It says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Nobody complains about joy. Nobody complains about too much happiness. We really don't get too overwhelmed by those, but it's the sorrow, the sadness, the despair, the anxiety, the fear. Jesus says, come to me if you are weary and heavy burdened by all those emotions, because those are not what I created for you to experience. And in me, you will find rest. And when Jesus is telling us to come to him, there's an experience that he's asking to happen. And that's number three on your outline. When we come to Jesus, we are to align our emotions with God's. See, our culture has become obsessed with personal rights. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to be hurt. And I have the right to do what feels good for me. And that's true. You do have every right to do those things, but you are not free from the consequences of the choices you make from what you feel. See, whether it's the consequences the negative emotions have on our lives physically, or whether it's the consequences of following our heart down a destructive path, we're not free from the consequences of those choices. Our only hope of living an emotional, healthy life is to align what we feel to God and what he calls for us. There's three things that I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through here in this point. And I want all of us to make these three things our goals if we want a better, more positive and healthy emotional life this week. The first thing we have to do is we have to be honest about what we feel. We have to admit what we feel. Most of us do not wanna be raw and real because it makes us vulnerable and we do not like vulnerability. It scares us, but the truth is this. And if you don't hear anything else, please hear this today. Our feelings will either make us vulnerable to God or they will make us vulnerable to the enemy. One or the other. Romans 12.3 says, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given. See, authenticity is Satan's biggest and greatest threat because he knows that when you are real before God, that is only when God can really become real to you. And it scares the enemy. So we need to stop pretending that we're better than what we're really doing. We need to stop acting like things are worse than what they really are. We need to quit hiding. We need to quit dismissing. And we need to quit hardening our hearts to what we feel. And we have to admit what we feel, whether it's good, whether it's bad, or whether it's ugly. And then the next thing we do with what we feel, as we're being honest, is we challenge what we feel. The second goal for the week. Challenge what you feel. See, I think too often we complain about the outer rather than contemplating the inner. 
And I think that when we ask ourselves if what I'm feeling is right, we have an opportunity to reveal more about ourselves and what God wants to do in us than what he may want to do in the circumstances around you. Don't automatically accept what your heart is feeling, good or bad. Psalm 26.2 says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. Remember, our hearts lack self-control. Our emotions are unreliable. They can be easily manipulated. So we have to measure every thought and every feeling against what God says in his word. Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Ask yourself, would Jesus be angry about this? Would he be resentful about this? Would Jesus love this so much that he would make this decision in my place? See, when we challenge what we feel against God's word and we find that we're not aligned with God and his plan and what he has ordained, then we have to admit that our emotions have gotten the best of us and we have to repent. And then once that we have been honest about what we feel, once we have challenged it under the light of God's word, then we do the third goal for the week. We have to change what we feel. There's so many people that are like, I can't change what I feel. What I feel is what I feel. Well, that is dead wrong. See, you've heard Kurt say it a thousand times, change the way you think and you will change the way you feel. It may not happen overnight. It may take discipline, but you can do it. See, our thoughts and our feelings do not occur in isolation. That is why the key verse for this entire series is Romans 12 too, where it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing, say it with me, the way you think. That's right. And what are the behaviors and the customs of this world when it comes to our emotions? Do what feels right for you. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Express how you feel no matter what the cost is to those around you. That's what the world says. But God wants to transform you into the image of Christ, not into the image of this world and what they have created. But if you don't think like God, if you don't think the way scripture wants us and align our emotions and our thoughts with him, then you will never feel what God feels and we will never be able to behave as God calls us to behave. Our hearts are very impressionable and they need constant guidance and direction, so much so that even in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If we don't guard our hearts and protect our emotional attachment and connection to God, and instead we let our desires drift to the things or the people of this world, then they will lead us away from the emotional life-giving love and grace and joy that only God can offer. And the best way that I can tell you to guard your hearts comes straight out of scripture. 
Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If we're not living in the word in Christ Jesus, then we don't get that peace and we don't get that protection. So when we pray, we pray about everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, in all honesty before God. And we do so with a thankful heart, trusting him for all that he has done and all that he will do despite the highs and the lows. That is when the peace of God rises up like a shield and protects our hearts from the anger, from the depression, from all the fear, all the emotions that the enemy wants to overwhelm us with. And that peace cannot be manufactured by anything or anyone else in this world. There is no better example of this and an emotional attachment to God than that of Jesus. The night before his death, the time before he was being led to the cross, Scripture tells us that he didn't feel like going to the cross. He didn't feel like suffering. He didn't feel like being beaten and bruised and bloodied. He didn't want to do all this. But what did he do? He got alone with the Father and he was authentic and honest before God and said, God, I don't want to do this. Take this away from me. But in his time of prayer in the garden, it gave him an opportunity to not only express what he was feeling, but it gave him an opportunity to realign what he was feeling to what God was calling him to do and wanted for his life. He ultimately chose to be more emotionally attached to God's plan and God's love in his life than following the desire of his heart, which was to not go through with what he was being asked to do. He let God align his heart so that he could conquer and overcome all that he was feeling. And that's when the peace of God overflowed within him. And that is the same process that God wants to take us through in our life. My question to you and me today, what is your heart more emotionally attached to than God? Because I guarantee it's robbing you from peace in your life. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's you're finding value in your job and not value in God. Maybe it's a substance. You're more emotionally attached to the, the feeling that you get, that immediate gratification than you are than working through what God has called you to do. Maybe it's another person in your life that you say, I want to get from them what I can't or seem or not to be able to get to from God, but you're not taking the time to do that. I promise you, when you are authentic and honest before God about how you feel and what you're feeling, that he can transform you by changing the way you think. And not only will he transform the way you think, it will transform the way you feel, and that will transform the way you behave. And that, and only that, is when the peace of God 
will flood over you. And despite the circumstances in your life, you will know that you're going to be okay.